All right, this is a continuation of how to talk to your kids about sex and drugs, and this is the drug part. And so obviously parents, be aware of what's in your medicine cabinet. What's- be aware what's in your medicine cabinet. Don't look the other way. If you don't have, you know, if you just had a refill and there was 30 and now you're noticing there's about 15 or 20, you need to ask. It may not be your child taking it, but their child may be selling it or bringing it to school. Catholic school, private school, Catholic, private, synagogue, yep, does public. Not dis- does not discriminate. You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty-gritty with people who know what they're talking about. This is Advice for Life with Lynn. All right, this is a continuation of how to talk to your kids about sex and drugs. We've been talking with Rachel Lapidus. She's a marriage family therapist. She's got a private practice in Miami, Florida, and sees quite a few adolescents. And she's got her hands full at home, too. She's got a five and a six-year-old, and she's an expert on this subject. We've been talking to her about how to talk to your kids about sex. We've got that covered. Uh, and now we want to talk to her about how to talk to your kids about drugs. Now, when we think about drugs, we might think, you know, you might be thinking, my kid isn't doing heroin or, you know, we're not a druggy family, so I don't need to keep talking to my kids about drugs. But I'm not talking about serious addiction, although we can touch on that subject of addiction. I'm talking about the fact that most of our kids, sadly, will at least try a drug in their adolescent years. I say most. Don't email me and say, oh, I'm just saying most in general. I think most of them is fair. Um, let alone, let alone do drugs. So the question is, how do we as parents help them make healthy choices other than just say no? I mean, that sounds good, but to me, that's not enough. Let me just say that from my perspective, this is a subject I think where a parent's experience can be a positive thing. I'm not sure. For me, not only did my mother, sorry, mom, I keep talking about you, put a negative connotation on sex, you know, sex is bad, it hurts, remember that, because that's all she knew. She also scared the daylights out of me when it came to drugs. Um, she didn't say much, but she did say, Lynn, you should never do drugs because you never know what's in the stuff mm-hmm. that somebody gives you. It could be laced with something and it could kill you which is actually true. So it was that fear in the back of my brain that kept me from doing any drugs. My boyfriend pressured me to smoke pot. And one time I did take a drag, but I coughed and I gave it back. Just like President Bill Clinton. (laughs) I did not inhale. Seriously. So that's good. But I actually have no experience to bring to the table for a good drug talk with my kids. You know, like, what do you know? Well, I don't know. So I will say I did experiment with alcohol at the young age of 14. I was with my best friend Marty's house on a Friday night and her parents were bowling in their league because my parents never went anywhere boring and they never had any alcohol boring. So she was like, let's try all the alcohol in the house. It sounded like a great idea since my house had only had cigarettes. My parents never went out. So we lined up like nine little glasses and poured alcohol into each one. And I remember sipping the gin and nearly gagging and thinking, who would drink pine needles? (laughs) <laughs> to this day, I hate gin. So I guess, I guess that counts as experience. Alcohol is a drug. On the other hand, so many other people I know say they did plenty of drugs growing up. So, you know, what do we do with that experience when it comes to talking to our kids about drugs? Because these days, it's a lot more than just about pot mm-hmm. and alcohol. We have to worry about there's prescription drugs, there's meth, heroin, date rape drug, this crazy cheap drug called Flocka. 
Yeah, feeling like an anxiety attack is coming on. <laughs> all right, let's get some help from the expert. All right. Welcome back, Rachel. Thank you, Lynn, for having me. When should we start talking to kids about drugs? I think the moment that they're able to understand taking any kind of substance and putting in their body as early as two or three when they have a cough and you're giving them cough medicine or would you say look this is this is going to help you this is it's called a drug (laughs) and this is going to this is a good drug this is medicine and it's going to help your cough or it's going to help your runny nose or it's going to help your allergies or even like a topical ointment whether it's Neosporin or peroxide or, you know, calamine lotion. I think it's very important to start at the earliest age possible to start letting the kids know that this is an outside thing, but it's used to help your body. It's a drug. It is a drug. How is the drug talk at five, this Mm -hmm. is neosporin, different than the drug talk at 15? Well, it's very different because at five, it's about neosporin. And then at 15, it's it's about marijuana or alcohol or prescription drugs. And you have to talk to your 15 year old, like 15 and not as a five year old. And how does that go? Well, again, I think it's very similar to the, the sex talk. There needs to be that pathway of having that open, trusting communication from the time, from the moment really they're born, you know, talking to your kid, having that approachable, askable, you know, approach, um, knowing who your friends' peers are, knowing what's going on um, in your community. Um, so can you get, give me an example of a, of a drug talk at 12 or 13, 14? Well, I think it's good to <clears throat> say, you know, oh, did you hear on the news? Like, listen to what happened. This girl just, you know, this, this they were at a party and she ended up taking a sip of, you know, what she thought was beer and there was a date rape drug and it was, you know, and there you can have the drug, the drug talk and the sex talk all at once. Is that okay? Because I do that all the time. And Absolutely. I feel like it's okay. Is it? It is okay. Yeah. I think it's very okay. And I think the difference between the sex and drug talk, I think it's okay with the drug talk to have a little bit of that scare factor as well. Sex is something that it's going to happen and it's, 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 it should be a beautiful, wonderful, intimate thing that you experience with another person. But drugs is completely different. And drugs really, can, at the end of the day, drugs can kill. They can ruin lives. Um, out of all the the clients I have seen who have had any kind of substance abuse addiction, never once have I not heard them say, "Why did I start?" or "Why when? Why can't I quit?" It's a very, it's dangerous. Drugs are very dangerous. So my mom always said, you know, marijuana, and that was back in the day, Mm -hmm. 300 years ago when it was not legal in any state. She would say, you don't want to even smoke marijuana because marijuana always leads to another drug, which I don't know. That's kind of a broad statement, but, you know, with the legalization of marijuana in some states, what do you teach them about pot? Well, and I, we're running into that problem a lot because I think parents are still under, you know, they still have, they come from that school of thought that pot is bad. It leads to other drugs and then you're going to go down this path and you're going to be in substance abuse facilities and it's going to ruin your life and it's going to just be terrible. Whereas kids now they're hearing that it's legalized in many states. And I think the scare tactic is not working. And there's a big disconnect between parents and their children because children see that it's being, it's legalized. So if it's legalized, then it's fine. So what do we tell them? Well, we tell them it's still very dangerous. It's still a substance. It's still going to alter your moods and your way of thinking. And it is, it is still a drug and it's still dangerous. Why is it dangerous? 
Well, it's dangerous because again, you don't know where it came from. Mom was right. Mom was right. <laughs> what did the person cut? You know, what did they put in it? Um, you know what I've told my son that I, I tell me if this is right or wrong. Like, I think a sex talk and a drug talk, we're talking drugs here, needs to be um, altered according to the child's personality. Mm-hmm. And he's super relaxed sure, and chill and always needs like a little nudge. And I've said to him, please don't ever smoke pot because it's going to make you sit around even more. Sure. And, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, but you know, to explain like the side effects. Well, sure. Well, remember it's still a substance, whether it's legal or not. I mean, alcohol is legal if you're 21 or an older, but it still is going to alter your, your, your choices and decisions and your cognitive processing. So it still alters very much, uh, you know, who we are versus when we're not on any substances. So when I try, when we, do we tell our kids don't do drugs, even though pot is legalized because it's still a substance or how does that talk go? That talk goes, it's still a drug. It's still a a substance that's foreign to your body that you're putting into your body. You don't know where it came from and it will alter your way of thinking and your way of feeling. And it can have lost lasting effects. And you never know what's in it. You never know what's in it. What is the main drug of choice these days for tweens and teens that you've seen in your practice? I would say experimenting with alcohol. And I would say marijuana as well. Marty? 14, lining it up. Yeah. Um, What's the number one thing parents don't know about their kids and drugs? I think how accessible drugs and substances are. How accessible are they? Extremely accessible. I mean, I know kids not to, you know, scare everyone out there, but, you know, something as simple as taking um, medication for ADHD. Well, they don't take the medications and they sell it to their peers and they sell it for maybe $5. And again, it alters the mood of, you know, whoever's taking it. It it alters you. What what does that do for it? Makes you hyper or calm you down? Well, if you have, yeah, if you have ADHD, if you have a hyperactivity and you, you have a hard time concentrating, yes, taking a, you know, taking a Ritalin or an Adderall, it's going to help focus you and calm you down. Oh, I've heard that college kids do that too. Of course, they snort Uh, it, they... And so obviously parents, be aware of what's in your medicine cabinet. Be aware what's in your medicine cabinet. Don't look the other way. If you don't have, you know, if you just had a refill and there was 30 and now you're noticing there's about 15 or 20, you need to ask. It may not be your child taking it, but their child may be selling it or bringing it to school. Catholic school, private school, Catholic, private, synagogue, yep, does public. Not dis- does not discriminate. How can we guide our kids away from drugs? Well, that's a really good question because I always say, and I say this to clients all the time, you know, drugs and acting out sexually or any kind of addiction. I always say like, it's just like the, the, the facade. It's just the outer part of the layer of the, the onion. If you, you need to really start peeling the layer of that onion, because there's a reason why a child who has you know, good self-esteem, has confidence, has self-worth, self-value, is not going to take the substances. The child who does, they may be struggling with some things. They're they're insecure, they have low self-esteem, or they don't feel they're accepted, but there's always more to just the child taking the substance. So help your child with their self-esteem. Absolutely. Talk to your child. Again, it goes to the talking to your child. Don't look the other way. Are they fitting in? Are they having, you know, are they isolating? Are they withdrawing? Are they, you know making, you know, are they, are they in a good peer group? 
What clues should we look for in our kids or signs that they might give us that they're experimenting with drugs? If there's a change, if there's a drastic change or actually any kind of change in their, in their mood and mm-hmm. their, you know, mood affect, the way they're talking, if they start withdrawing, mm-hmm. isolating themselves, whether it's from family or friends, if you see a difference in their peer groups, if they were, you know, always from, let's say like from kindergarten to eighth grade, they always had the same, you know, group of best friends and all of a sudden there's a change. Um, if they stop doing activities that once brought them a lot of joy and happiness, if they're in extracurricular activities and all of a sudden they want to stop. Um, now is that due to them experimenting with drugs, which would lead to those symptoms or is that due to depression, which would lead to, or low self-esteem, which leads to drugs? Sure. I think it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. I think it's your emotional state is what leads you to making these Ah. choices. I'm a strong believer on that. Does a child's personality dictate if he or she is going to try drugs? My daughter has a very strong personality. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Um, and so that's good that she might not be, for example, uh, persuaded easily, but mm-hmm. she's going to do what she's going to do. So does a personality dictate which way they're going to go? Well, I think, you know, I always say having that strong personality, it's a lot, I think, better to work with than someone who is maybe very withdrawn and insecure and almost like a wallflower. Because you always can give the child who has that strong personality tools and techniques to kind of maybe know when to use it, when to tone it down, when to advocate for themselves or others, when to use their voice, when not to use their voice, what's appropriate, what's not. Whereas someone who doesn't have that, it's a lot harder to give them the confidence to speak up and to say no and to advocate for themselves or to tell a parent that this is what's going on. They're going to be more likely, are you saying, to be... Peer pressure. I, I think personalities, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So know your kid's personality. Know your child's personality. Know how they, you know, how they interact with 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 individuals. Know are they the leader? Or are they the follower? Right. So the followers, we kind of have to keep an extra eye on. I think so. But with the followers, know what group they're in. Okay. Know all children. Know what group your child is in. Know their peers. Know the peers' parents. Know what they're doing on the weekends. And that takes work. It takes a lot of work. It's the hardest job being a parent. Yes. And a private investigator as well. Let's talk alcohol. Is, is it monkey see, monkey do? You know, I see so many, maybe I'm just a prude, but, um, you know, we go out to dinner, you know, so many adults are with their kids and they'll have a drink, Mm -hmm. even one drink and then Mm -hmm. drive. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Because to me, that sends a sure. message. Because I don't really know if kids understand, well, I just had a drink and I am 180 I pounds and I don't sure. really feel it. Sure. What's the message? Well, that goes back to being a role model. And yes, a glass of wine at dinner, it may be okay, but you do. You have to send the message to your child. So you have to make that choice. If you're going out as a family, especially when the child is in that very impressionable age, if mom's going to drink, make sure dad does not drink and he's the one who's going to be driving home. But even one glass, if you feel fine as an adult driving home, and even if you're at dinner for three hours and it's, you know, when you leave, you're not intoxicated anymore, do not set that tone for the kids. How many times do you see parents doing that? Oh, more often than you would imagine. Right? No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's really... Because from my experience, you know, we didn't become aware of being role models until they were tweens. Then I was like, oh my gosh, they're watching us. Okay, now I'm not going to have any alcohol and you're going to... And it's almost like, I don't know, trying to turn a train around. Like, 
you know, even though it's not too late, but realize that your kids are watching you. They are always watching you. From the youngest age, they're always watching you. But explain to parents and adults listening right now why that one drink, like why kids don't understand the difference between having one drink and why we understand the difference between having one drink. Well, sure, because we're mature, we're adults, we know that one drink and we're okay. And, you know, but they, they don't, they can't decipher that. They don't know. One drink to them could be 10 drinks, you know? So it's, it's, again, it's, it's setting those boundaries and being, making healthy, smart decisions. So what is your advice and thoughts on parents who say, well, you know, he's going to do it. I'd rather him do it in my house. And then they let their kids drink. Sure. You know, I have some friends who's, who, you know, they're from other countries and their kids drink in other countries and they'll let their kid, I don't want to give anything away. So I know some parents who let their kids have a glass of champagne Mm -hmm. or two Mm -hmm. and they're 15. Sure. So I'm personally mortified, sure. but, but there's two schools of thought. Absolutely. Like, well, if my kid's going to do it, I'd rather them do it here or sure. meet, you know, the other extreme. No, never. We shouldn't have any alcohol in the house at all. Well, sure. And I think it's important going to the, to, to the, to the friends who let their kids drink, knowing who your kids friends, parents are. That's very important, I think. And if you're against it, you're against it. If you're for it, then you're for it. But for you, you know, there are parents who say, okay, you can have a glass of wine. So it's not that big of a deal and almost like desensitizing the child or kind of not having that curiosity and that. Do you think that's good? What is your personal advice on that? Because maybe that's not so bad. I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on the, the child's age, you know, for a 14 year old, I think to have a glass of wine with dinner, I think that's a little young, but if a child is, you know, 17 or 18 and you know, that's what's going on at, at these parties and right for sure, you know, um, I would have a lot of caution though. If you, that is your type of parenting style, I wouldn't expose it to other kids. Um, keep it within your family. So when your son or daughter is 17 Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, maybe I want to have a beer, Mm -hmm. what will you say? If it's in my house Mm -hmm. with myself and my husband and my daughter, then yes. But you're not leaving the house. You're not getting behind the car. You're not having anyone older when you're, you know, over when you have that, that beer, it's going to be in a controlled, safe environment. And what if he wants to go to a party and there's drinking at 17? Uh, he had a beer at your house, so why no, can't he? That's, I would, I would probably say that's the rule. If you're going to drink, you're staying home. I'm not, I'm not going to have a child, you know, I would not personally have one of my children drink at home and then go out. But I mean, two separate occasions. Like the message is you can have a beer with me at home. You're 17. It's a controlled environment. But if you go to a party at 17. And then if you're going to a party and if I know there's going to be alcohol, then I always send a message. You can call me at whatever time it is. And I am here and I will pick you up. But whatever you do, do not get behind a wheel or do not get into the car with anyone who drinks. Or don't get in the car with anyone, period, at a party. And I guess there's that trust factor, too, mm-hmm. non-judgmental. Yeah. One thing my mother didn't do right, mm-hmm. I think I was at a party, I think I was 14 or 15, and there was a ton of alcohol, and the parents were home, and they were giving it to everybody, and I knew that it was it just felt wrong and icky, sure. and I was scared. Sure. We didn't have a cell phone, so I remember sure. getting on the dial phone in their house, and I called my mom. And I said, come pick me up. And she had just dropped me off an hour earlier. She comes picking me up in this Ford beat up thing, her curlers. 
in her hair. <laughs> I jump in the car and for once she didn't ask me one question. Yeah. So I've tried to tell it to my kids. Absolutely. Is that a good piece of advice? Absolutely. Like I'll come get you. Absolutely. No questions. No asked. matter what time of the night it is, I will not ask any questions. Absolutely. And you also, and you made a really good point, Lynn, when you said that you knew something in you was telling you this isn't right. There's parents here, there's alcohol, people are driving, this doesn't seem, it's it's to help your kids trust trust their instincts. Those people were arrested, by the way. Yeah. Those Nothing big, good there, is going to come out of it. There was a raid and yeah, yeah, I was like, mom, thank God you came in your curlers because we could have been in big exactly. trouble. Exactly. Nothing good is going to come out of parents hosting a party with Minors and drinking. Nothing good is going to come of that. Okay. So just to reiterate mm-hmm. some key things, some great things you talked about. Be a role model. Mm-hmm. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. Start early with the basics with your kids. Don't be judgmental and approachable. Be, be non-judgmental and approachable mm-hmm. so your kids can talk to you about sure. drugs. Uh, teach them to use their voice and it's okay Absolutely. to say no. Absolutely. Watch for any kind of changes in your kids, mm-hmm. isolation, withdrawing. Don't look the other way as much as we want to, but be aware of what's going on. Talk to your child and help them with their self-esteem and know their personality. Absolutely. Know your child. Get to know your child. You have to know your child. And watch what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before I let you go... Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, we're going to do Lynn's Fab Five. Okay. This is my favorite part, new favorite part of the show where I get to ask you my Fab Five questions. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What was the last song you jammed out to? Oh, the last song I just jammed out with actually with my kids, L, L, L King. One, two, three, you're going to run back to me. Oh my God. That's so cute. That's adorable. What was your biggest pet peeve? What is your biggest pet peeve Mm -hmm. with your husband? My sorry husband. Pet peeve with my husband. Oh, don't act like you don't have it at the tip Mm. of your tongue. Because I could give you five. No, just kidding. Because I don't want to do something too bad, but not too. Oh my (laughs) gosh! Just say it. He's perfect. Um, Probably he's he's. He's a little OCD in the cleanliness, and uh, you know, I would probably say he's a little OCD with organization and being neat. And um, like what he, he folds your newspaper while you're reading it. Actually, or, that's funny yeah. that you say that. He does have a specific way to fold the newspaper, and if it's out, it's it's you know, if I don't have it exactly in the crease, it he does. Yes, that's but a perfect, I get him because yeah, that's that's in Virgo because I'm Virgo. It's it's the clutter thing. Yeah, I yeah. get that. I get that. Well, he keeps your house tidy. He does. That's nice. I know. And if I don't keep it tidy, he kindly kindly (laughs) reminds me. What was the last time you judged your, when was the last time you judged yourself? Well, I think instinctually you want to judge yourself all the time, but I look at it, not that I'm judging myself, but looking for ways to improve, but it is important not to bully yourself. I will say that. So to always be kind to yourself. When was the last time you were not kind to yourself? Probably this morning. Okay. <laughs> Saying what? Uh, did I put on too much makeup? Yeah. Too little makeup? Does this look okay? Should I, I wear this shirt? I, I, look, I look at it more as critiquing. Yeah. But I think it's important to be kind to you. I really, I really try to always be kind. Would it be nice to walk out of the house and not care what anybody thought? Yes, it would be wonderful. It's called Buddha. <laughs> what is the self-help book that changed your life? Oh, geez. 
you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a self-help book, but a book, and I recommend this to all my clients. It was a Victor, it's a Victor Frankl book and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And that's mm. a very, very, very powerful book. Man's Search for Man's Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl. What is your biggest parenting weakness? I would have to say to always be in the moment. It's sometimes hard to, you know, physically you're there, but you know, sometimes if, if, if a client is texting me or if this is happening or for the home, I want to do a dish or I want to fold the laundry or, you know, is to just be in the moment with my children. It's a challenge. It is. It's a big challenge. Thank you so much. And a round of applause for Rachel. You played so well. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You can find Rachel Lapidus at allmiamitherapy.com. You can also reach her at her office, 305-532-2300. And you can catch all this info on the website. Just go to adviceforlifewithlynn.com slash podcast slash eight. Last but certainly not least, please, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. Tell me how I'm doing. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. And your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.